You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi guys, I'm Prasad Banerjee and I write about tech at Mint. And this is Techcentra, a podcast where we ta- tackle some hot topics in technology and also bust some myths. In this episode, we're still sticking with the Mint Digital Innovation Summit. But on this panel, we are talking to Jayant Kola, who's the founder of Convergence Catalyst, and Pratik Dixit, who's the CTO and co-founder of an audio series platform called Pocket FM. Here, we are talking about ChatGPT and generative AI, and how it has impacted the world around us, how it will impact jobs, and how these product makers and thinkers are thinking of this technology in the future, and how it will affect everything that they do, and in return, what we do. We have had ChatGPT all day, right? I mean, we have had generative AI being talked about all day. But let me ask you one thing: Google invented Transformers back in 2017, right? Why the sudden proliferation in 2022? Why? Why did? Why? Why does it feel sudden? It was obviously not sudden. Yeah. Uh, okay. I will give two personal. examples to set that context and uh, you know put things in perspective and answer your question as well first is you know just yesterday morning my facebook reminded me of a 3 year old uh, uh, memory you know uh, which i put up as a story and uh, you know i really liked i came across these four principles to lead a life right and very philosophical in nature and uh, it reminded me just yesterday and uh, they, the four principles are learn from everyone follow no one look for patterns and work like hell you know 3 years back during covid days i put it up as my facebook story and just this morning i realized oh my god these are the principles and guardrails of an ai engine okay uh, ai engines learn from all the data that they have access to generative ai engines especially don't normally follow anything because of reinforcement learning okay they look for patterns they're great at looking for patterns and they work 24 by 7 so My point is, you know, AI engines are a little sliver offshoot of us humans. Okay, in terms of capabilities and uh, you know potential, they're nowhere close to uh, to us. But in terms of flaws and deficiencies, I think they've inherited uh, everything from humans. That is number one. Number two is okay. Coming to generative AI, and this is answering your question. Again, from my personal experience, right now the generative AI, especially ChatGPT, with ChatGPT, we are having the iPhone movement of AI. Okay, uh, what do I mean by that? I mean, I come from the mobile world. You know, back in the days, I launched Motorazer, and then when you know I was a product manager for Nokia, when Nokia was synonymous with mobile phones, had 85% market share in the country. But when Steve Jobs launched the iPhone, what he did was he, you know, he brought the intuitiveness and the design thinking and this 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 little tablet device closer to human interaction right and i think that's exactly what chatgpt is doing with ai right i mean it's it's bringing the entire you know this awesome technology which has existed and it which has been doing great things in the past but it has brought to uh, to the to capture the imagination and very closer to the humans and how they interact uh, with technology very intuitively and that's why we see 100 million uh, people uh, you know using it in two months 180 million you know right now and that is exactly the difference uh, you know uh, to answer your question although transformers uh, in 2017 google had invented them uh, you know chat gpt and open ai using languages at the very core 
you know, and like Jaspreet said in the morning, that language is is the very fundamental way of how humans connect. Uh, you know, ChatGPT and OpenAI has brought this technology very closer to the daily lives and the intuitive living way of living of how we humans do. And that, I think, has, you know, captured people's imagination at mass, at scale. How do you look at it, Pratik? I, I think I agree to what I think uh, uh, Jan said, right? So, uh, I mean, if you look at the fundamental uh, algorithm that was developed, I mean, it was developed in 2014 itself, right? So, it's been almost eight, eight to nine years, right? So, it's not as if the fundamental algorithms are there from, let's say, 20 years, right? So, one is that, I mean... The second is obviously you need large amount of data to train all of these things, right? And if you look at the data explosion that has happened in the last five or six years, right? I mean, I was just reading one of the articles yesterday. I mean, so internet is generating 320 million terabytes of data every year now, right? And look at OpenAI and ChatGPT. I mean, systems were there before. I mean, they're not trained enough to be so realistic, right? So second is data, obviously. I mean, you have insane amount of data to train. Uh, so accurately, right? Uh, third is obviously, I mean, if you look at NVIDIA, right? I mean, they have been extremely good with, I mean, the, the pace they have innovated in GPUs and, and training these systems uh, fundamentally, right? So, I mean, overall computing power and GPU powers, I mean, have significantly exploded in the last four or five years, right? So, again, the computing power, data, and then obviously the fundamental algorithms were, I think, quite sort of like decently, uh, that, that's... But when, when I know I know you guys use a lot of this generative AI stuff in within Pocket FM, right? right. Did did it happen post ChatGPT or were you working on it uh, long so, time and yeah, it so happened? We are a core content platform, frankly. I mean, so we are in eight languages. I mean, all the uh, native languages: India, I mean, Hindi, Tamil, Telugu, Kannada, English as well, right? Uh, so I think we were using I think kind of language translation from before, right? But there's something called localization as well. So let's say if you have a story in Hindi, right, or maybe which was developed as part of North India, right, which has the tuning set, everything set up as accordingly to North India, right. But now, and it has been written by a single writer, right. Now that writer has to launch that story in, let's say, Kannada or Telugu or Tamil, right. Now that story not just needs to be translated, but has to be localized to that specific setting as well. So I would say I think we're using translation from before, but then post OpenAI, I mean, we have been using localized sort of like stories as well, uh, building on top of what OpenAI is provided as fundamental models. Got it. But to, so today when we look at all of this generative AI stuff, right, ChatGPT, Bard, um, both Google, uh, OpenAI, they've very openly said that these are first generation products. They're, you said iPhone moment, right? If you pick up the first iPhone today, it's very hard to believe. It didn't have Bluetooth, like, it didn't have 3G. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So where is this then going? Do you, does the industry today have an idea where all of this is going or is it like more let's use it and see where it goes? Uh, okay, again, two thought process, two insights. One is um, what Leslie called, uh, you know, AI 1.0 in the morning or what a lot of, uh, you know, AI uh, industry observers or technology observers call conventional or traditional AI or what Jaspreet said that it's it was nothing but applied statistics, right? So the 1.0 AI, what is it good at, right? In my mind, it was great at uh, pattern recognition, profiling, and basis the historical, uh, you know, trends and extrapolation, a decent amount of prediction and uh, uh, forecasting and analysis, right? That was what 1.0 was good at, you know, applied statistics, extremely good, okay? 
what generative ai with language at its core uh, you know does is it it's now good at uh, content creation in the form of storytelling uh, narrative thematic uh, you know overlay okay over over the objective traditional ai now uh, when you combine both of these right 1 plus 1 the power can be 11 it's not 2 okay it can, it can be exponential and the applications you know uh, there are many in in the near term the way i look at it a lot of assist uh, you know the, uh, uh, by combining these two uh, an ai engine can be a good you know a secretary or a glorified secretary or an ea uh, you know or a digital assistant and 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 uh, you know companies like clean are already building building uh, those things but having said that i also believe that with uh you know ai in 2023 we are where we were with internet back in 1996 okay so crystal ball gazing or putting your bets on a player is is extremely difficult i mean in 1996 if someone would have said that you know uh, a company which starts with delivering books to your homes and then by extending it to groceries and everything that you need will become the first trillion dollar company in the world and the guy who invented i mean who founded that company will become the most richest guy in the world no one would have bought them right i mean but amazon did that right and what did jeff bezos and amazon do they you know internet did not create anything they used internet okay as a distribution channel okay as a scaling uh, you know mechanism all that they did was they had human laziness you know people wanted to sit at home okay and and wanted to wanted things to be delivered Google again, twenty-first or twenty-second search engine. You know, Yahoo search existed, Alta Vista existed, but these guys come. You know, librarians uh, existed before Google, books existed, encyclopedias existed, but these guys came and gave people, you know, knowledge uh, at their fingertips. Again, you know, hacking human behavior. So I believe that even AI. people who can use the technology very innovatively and creatively you know there are many directions to go which one will win is very difficult to put your money on today but but i mean when you say that you know 1996 internet we did not know and all of that right but from then to now we've also learned the internet was supposed to be a tool for democracy and so on right and it didn't happen today we have a splintered internet we have the splinter net so to speak right so shouldn't we be more careful this time with how we implement these things uh definitely and we need to learn from everything that we've invented scaled grown and also got hurt okay um uh, and that's why the guardrails are being put up okay um uh, after almost 30 years you know we still don't have any solid regulation or policy to to police internet i mean you know some of the leading companies like google has its security policy or data privacy uh, you know secure internet policy and all of that so some of the leading companies which will come will will set these things in place but definitely you know we obviously have to lead from uh, you know learn from the debacles from the from the past but before that you know the innovation the the potential for doing good the potential for connecting disparate dots and deriving value is so huge a lot of energy and resources will be spent there but definitely your to your point yes guardrails and you know policies need to regulations need to be put in place how do you look at it pratik when you deploy it within your company are you can you discuss the guardrails that you were probably putting uh, so frankly uh, look at from i think internet has always been like this i mean if you look at the evolution of internet right the kind of tools that we had right so i'll take a specific example right so you take adobe adobe photoshop right i mean 
we always used to thought that Adobe Photoshop will create a lot of these fake images of, I mean, consumers, right? And then obviously as a user, I think we developed that sort of like antibodies to understand which, which is a fake image and which is a real image, right? So it has always been like this. I mean, the trends of internets and the tools that we have created over the past 20 years, 25 years has always been like this and it has challenged, challenged us in, in the same fashion. It's just that we need to have significant policies uh, uh, and obviously we need to make sure that uh, the kind of uh, security piracy concerns, there are a lot of piracy concerns for us as well in the sense that uh, for that we need to create specific tools on top of what we have, right? So let's say for, an, for us as an example, right? Uh, we are, a, I think for, uh, for us, I think writers are our, frankly, the core sort of like uh, characters, right? So. The writers, I think, write, frankly, we generate five petabytes of data every month, right? Now, how do you make sure that it's not being pirated, right? It's not being, let's say, used by these tools to generate, let's say, the similar kind of content in other, let's say, uh, product, right? So I think we have, uh, if you go to the pure technological way of doing it, we sort of like use a lot of these policies, a lot of watermarking within the content itself so that you know that it's being used somewhere else or it's being regenerated. Uh, in different products and all. So I think policies needs to be there and then obviously we need to build specific tools to achieve these uh, I think concerns as well. Got it. Yeah. I'll, I'll come back to the dangers. Of course, we have yeah. to keep talking about the dangers. But let me quickly talk about the cost, Pratik, when you look at all of this, right? There's uh, a lot of people have said it has to be the Microsofts and Googles of the world right. which will lead all of this. Uh, there's huge costs involved to developing the LLMs and all right. of that. What is the role of startups today then? Is it, do you just have to keep piggybacking off them? Right. So I, I'll probably take a different example what Jen they took. I mean, so remember and when Android was launched, right? In back in 2006, right? So Android was pretty much vanilla itself, right? They just built the foundation itself, right? Now, when you look at now, there are millions of app developers creating apps which even Google cannot create. I mean, some of the top apps are being built by other developers itself, other companies, right? Which are not built by Google, Facebook or Microsoft, right? Uh, so I feel that the foundational models would be, I think, very certainly difficult to train for a startup like us, where you need insane amount. I mean, OpenAI has $10 million funding, frankly, right? So not every startup can have that kind of funding, right? So foundational models would frankly be developed elsewhere, maybe by Big Org. Google, Microsoft, maybe Facebook as well. But the applications, the specifications that everyone needs, like for our case, let's say the AI localization, right, will be built by startup itself, right? And then startups will take it to next level itself. And I feel that even in case of Generate AI as well, we'll see that inflection point, which is not being built by these big org. I'd like to quickly add a minute on that. I believe that uh, thanks to what happened on Feb 24th, and a couple of weeks later, the democratization of LLMs and the big data uh, models of generative AI, Llama being open sourced by Facebook, and now, you know, people are able to... But, you know, like as journalists, we often hear a lot of these companies come and say that, you know, we are taking all of this forward. Like, we are taking a pinch of salt. I think, yeah, so for sure, I think, uh, even if you take our example as well, I mean, uh, the models that we are building on top of generative AI or the fundamental open AI models, these are far far superior in terms of doing specific things that we want. We talk about AI localization, translating and localizing a content from let's say Tamil to Telugu to Hindi to English, right? A lot of these models are far sort of like specific and then superior in nature of what we have as foundational models. So for sure, I completely agree with that. Got it. Yeah. And I'll end this panel with 
a word on jobs right we have again throughout the day we have talked about this what happens to jobs do they take jobs do new jobs get created how do you see it happening uh, I, i think again with every technological innovation i think we have seen skill sort of like getting higher i mean a skill gap getting decreased as well with this as well we feel that i think because the knowledge is so available right frankly to anyone right uh, the skill gap would reduce a bit uh, the mundane jobs could frankly disappear a bit but then there'll obviously be better jobs to be created with open ai i mean frankly employees with ai would do far better than employees taught with ai uh, and then obviously i think the better jobs would be created for sure right uh, i can go very deep on this question but i'll end it in two lines uh, i believe you know net net every technology has only created jobs okay but with ai and with generative ai i think we are i personally believe we are seeing the onset of era of polymaths okay if you're a polymath you're going to be a winner in the next era and i can explain this at length offline uh, for anyone who's interested thanks a lot guys for joining us and that's it for this week's episode please do let me know what you thought of it and what else you would want me to cover you can find me on instagram and twitter at undertaker yes you heard that right that's u n d e r t e c h e r you can also give us feedback at ht smartcast we're present on facebook twitter and instagram and please do log on to htsmartcast.com and listen to all of our productions to stay updated on this podcast follow us at ht smartcast on all the major social media platforms To listen to more such podcasts log on to www.hdsmartcast.com